turn to Daniel chapter 7. We are wrapping up Daniel chapter 7 this morning. Been here the last couple weeks, uh, beginning to wade into the apocalyptic literature of the second half of the book. We're going to read the chapter again in just a moment, but before we do, let me remind you of uh, what apocalyptic is. Here is the definition that I've been giving from uh, former Reformed Seminary Professor Dale Ralph Davis. He said, roughly, I would say that biblical apocalyptic is a sort of prophecy that seeks to enlighten and encourage a people despised, discouraged, and cast off by the world. And that enlightenment and encouragement comes with a vision of the God who will come to impose his kingdom on the wreckage and rebellion of human history. Uh, This prophecy is communicated through a message of uh, wild, scary, imaginative, bizarre, even head-scratching imagery. All right, with that in mind, let's read Daniel chapter 7. I will again read verses 1 through 14. Someone else read 15 to 22. Someone else 23 to 28. Who wants to read 15 to 22? All right, Stephanie, who wants to read 23 to 28? All right, Jeff, thanks. All right, I will read starting in verse 1. Daniel chapter 7, starting in verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man, and the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and behold, another like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things." As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, the hair of his head like pure wool, his throne fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were open. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking, and as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed." As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. 
I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever. Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying, with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, and which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. And about the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn that came up and before which three of them fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things, and that seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High, and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, As for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it into pieces. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones, and shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and shall think to change the times and the law, and they shall be given into his hand for a time, times and half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away, to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion, and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven, shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me, and my color changed. But I kept the matter in my heart. Amen. Thank you. So uh, here we have God's people in a very tough place. They are in exile in Babylon. They are wondering. Uh, they know they've been cast off you know, by the world. They're just wondering, I think we've been cast off by God as well. Uh, but God gives Daniel a message, and it's a hopeful message via these apocalyptic images. Uh, it's partially terrifying, but ultimately it is hopeful. The terrifying part, you know, starts with the beast coming out of the sea, which, uh, as it says in the text and as we've discussed, it refers to wicked rulers on the earth, uh, rulers who wreak havoc on earth in their reign, but most especially on the people of God. But against that backdrop, uh, God gives us a very hopeful vision of the future, and it is ultimately a vision of himself, a vision of what he, who he is and what he will do. Uh, in the midst of all of this. So three main points I've wanted us to see from the text. Number one, the sovereignty of God, even over the wicked rulers of the earth. There's that image at the beginning of the four winds stirring the sea. Uh, the great sea is imagery for this present darkness, for this world in sin, the, the chaos and disorder of this world in sin and rebellion against God. But the four winds is imagery for God. God is sovereign over the winds. He directs them where they go. Uh, we're being taught that God is in complete control even when things seem out of control. One way to think about it, as the winds come to stir the sea, God knows exactly how to stir uh, the wickedness of this world, even the godless nations and kingdoms of this world, in order to govern it and them toward his perfect ends. 
We also get the image of God on the throne. He's got white clothes, that stands for purity. He's got white hair, that stands for wisdom. There's fire coming from the throne, that stands for judgment. Uh, God's people are in this darkness under the rule of these godless kingdoms, and the vision is saying it's not just going to stop where they are, it's going to continue to go on. But the hope that they're getting is that God is in control of all things. He rules in righteousness and purity. He rules in perfect wisdom. He, he knows exactly what he's doing and exactly what times he needs to do something else. And he will judge the wicked in his time, the, the fire of judgment. Uh, the second main point, we talked about this last week, the global conquest of the king. So we see one like a son of man that came before the Ancient of Days. That's God. To him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. So when God's people were down and out, they were wondering if God has abandoned his covenant promises to Abraham and to his people. Uh, Daniel gets this vision. And he's learning not only has God not abandoned his people, not only has uh, has he not abandoned his covenant promises, But in this Son of Man, they're going to come to their glorious fulfillment. Salvation to the ends of the earth. And as we talked about last week, though Daniel did not know this, we know that this was talking about Jesus. Jesus referred to Himself as the Son of Man uh, more than He referred to Himself with any other title. So we know that Jesus died for our sins, He rose from the grave, and upon His rising, He was given dominion glory, and a kingdom, like it says in Daniel chapter 7. He told his disciples this after he rose when he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Not is due me at some time, but has been given to me. He came into his glory, his kingdom, his dominion. Um, And to what end? It was so that all peoples, all nations, all languages would serve him. So Jesus has already been given his dominion. He is the ruler over all. He's the Lord of lords. He's the king of kings. But he has not yet fully fleshed out his dominion to the ends of the earth. Partially, but not fully. I mean, partially because we're here. Didn't start here. Started over in Israel. Uh, But not fully. There are still unreached people groups. There are still, you know, the dominion is still in process of spreading. Um... He's still in process of bringing all people's nations and languages to himself. And one of the things that we're going to talk about today is the amazing reality that he includes us, his people, in that process. So today's big point, the third major point I want us to see from this chapter, is the glorious inheritance of God's people. The glorious inheritance of God's people. Uh, First thing, we need to be reminded again that part of this vision that Daniel gets is very dark for God's people. It's dark already. They're in exile in Babylon. But um, according to the vision, things are going to continue to be dark and at some point even get worse. So um, we get the picture that things are going to be bad for God's people under these godless kings, these beasts coming out of the sea. But especially the last one, there was these ten horns. uh, and, And from that... Uh, or the ten horns represent ten godless rulers, but then from the ten horns comes one that's worst of all, right? Verse 21, as I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them. Verse 24 and 25, as for the ten horns out of this kingdom, ten kings shall arise, another shall arise after them. 
He shall speak words against the Most High. He shall wear out the saints of the Most High. So most of the commentators I read uh, think these horns were referring to rulers in Rome, but some differ on the last horn. Was it pointing to a final leader in Rome? Was it pointing to a leader that would still be future for us, like at the end of time? It seems to stretch to me to say it's the end of time because all of the context was in a kind of linear <laughs> fulfillment in history. But either way, whether this promised oppression for God's people was the first or second century, or a century still off in the future. Either way, these things were still future for Daniel. So the message that he's getting is things are bad, and they're going to stay bad, and at some point they're going to get worse. Um, so that's not that hopeful. That's, uh, if that's all the message is, he would be led to despair. There would be this ruler, this evil ruler. He will prevail over the saints of the Most High. Um, he will wear them out. But then again, against this backdrop, there is significant hope. And not only hope about God's rule consummated in Christ, not only about the global conquest of Christ's kingdom, which is a part of this, um, and His conquering the forces of darkness, but also about the amazing privilege of God's people in conjunction with Christ's rule. So look at verses 17 and 18. This is the first interpretation that is given. It's kind of a short interpretation, and Daniel goes prod, uh, you know, prodding and wants more. But it says, These four great beasts are four kings that will arise out of the earth. Backdrop of darkness. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. Verses 21 and 22. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them. Backdrop of darkness. Until the Ancient of Days came, that's God, and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High, and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Same message, the saints possessing the kingdom. Verses 25 to 27. He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Backdrop of darkness. But the court shall sit in judgment. His dominion will be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. Because as we've talked about, God is sovereign even over wicked rulers. And He will judge the wicked in His time. And it says, the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. So one of the amazing pieces of encouragement that God's people are being offered against this backdrop of darkness is not only is God sovereign over all, working all of this toward His perfect ends, not only will God establish His kingdom to the ends of the earth, but God's people are the great benefactors of His kingdom reign. The saints of the Most High receive the kingdom and possess it forever and ever. The kingdom and the dominion given to the saints of the Most High. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about what that means. Um, but remember, while all of this was still future for Daniel, and while some of this remains future for us, there is an important sense in which we have already received the kingdom and the dominion, as the text says, that we would. We know this because we are in union with Christ. He already has His dominion, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and we are united to him by faith. So that even in Ephesians, it says we are seated with Christ in glory. Well, I mean, we're seated in the brown room, at, you know, on hard chairs. But we're also seated with Christ in glory because we're united to him by faith. And wherever he is, so are we also. I thought of uh, Acts chapter 9 when Saul meets Jesus on the road to Damascus and he is uh, one of the great persecutors of the church. And Jesus says to Saul, 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 why are you persecuting me? Not my people, me. But Jesus was already back in heaven. So it's kind of funny that he said that because he was already gone. He had already gone back to glory. And it was not Jesus technically that was being persecuted. It was Jesus' followers that were being persecuted. But we're united to him by faith. So if you're persecuting Jesus' people, you're persecuting Jesus. Why are you persecuting me? And it is also true that if Jesus has already come into his kingdom and been given his dominion, and he has, well then, so too have his people because we're in union with Christ and we're united to him by faith. Again, his kingdom reign isn't yet fulfilled. Uh, His dominion has not yet spread as far as it's going to spread. But it is most certainly already established as fact, and it is already in motion. So here's a couple passages that speak this way uh, about having already received the kingdom. We were, were in Hebrews and, you know, the worship service, and Dr. Young was preaching at the end of Hebrews 12 a couple weeks ago. Uh, you may re- remember him talking about the shaking. There's going to be a shaking. And uh, in there, there is this great statement. It says, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. So we're called to be grateful for having received God's kingdom. And in light of having received it, we worship in a certain way. And we serve God in a certain way. It informs the way that we live before God now because there's this shaking coming, but we've already received the kingdom that can't be shaken. Um, we, we worship Him with gratitude, with confidence, with reverence and awe, and we serve Him likewise. Another more familiar passage, it was spoken to Christians in the first century, but it applies to Christians throughout time. 1 Peter 2.9, You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's holy nation. You know, it says a people for his own possession. It's talking about we're God's holy nation. We're God's royal priests. The way that is, uh, that is connected to a passage in Exodus, which talks about the same thing. And we know this wasn't fulfilled in the people of Israel. It was ultimately fulfilled in Christ and his people, right? They were a type, a foreshadowing that was pointing us to a greater reality in Christ and the church. And the way that it's said there is a kingdom of priests. You're a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood. Um, and it doesn't say that's who you will be. It says that's who you are. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, God's holy nation. So again, we need to realize and we need to remember um, that while the final fulfillment of our kingdom inheritance is still off in the future, we have already received the kingdom and the dominion that Daniel 7 is talking about.
Because Christ has already come into his kingdom. He's already taken his dominion. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And we're in union with Christ. So we have that kingdom and that dominion now. Now, what are some implications of this? Uh, Number one, we are God's priests on the earth. And one thing that we should, I mean, that's what it says, right? You're a, you're a kingdom of priests. You're a royal priesthood. We are God's priests on the earth. And one thing that we should note here is that means that we all have equal access with God. We have been uh, celebrating the 500th year of the Protestant Reformation. And uh, maybe you didn't know this, but one of the major doctrines that the Reformers were recovering was the priesthood of all believers. It's one of their core biblical convictions that really drove them in their effort. Because the Catholic Church taught that the priests had special access with God and the people had to go through the priests to get to God. Now, it is true that priests have special access with God. But we are all priests. And they weren't teaching that. A whole kingdom full of God's royal priests, all with equal access to God through our great high priest, Jesus Christ. I was at a Thanksgiving gathering um, on Tiffany's side of the family, and uh, Aunt Joy was there. And Aunt Joy is a devoted Catholic, Um, she's a very kind woman. And, uh, but it was interesting, you know, the meal was coming up and she must've asked me six times to pray. And I kept deferring and I was like, no, um, you know, Michael's here. This is his family. I mean, it's my family too via marriage, but he's a grandson or better yet, uncle John's here. He's one of the sons. I mean, he could pray. They're believers. The minister needs to pray. And, uh, she was saying it that way. You're a minister. You pray. And um, I'm not picking on her, but it makes sense. She's being consistent, right? She's a Catholic. That's what she believes. The minister, he's got special access, and we need him to go before God on our behalf. And I was intentionally rejecting that because it's not true. Uncle John has just the same access, and so does Michael. And um, Uncle John ended up praying. You know, now, surely we don't think that way, do we? I think we do sometimes. I think we do. But we're all in Christ. We all have equal access with God. Don't forget that. Now, this, also, this doesn't only apply to access. It also applies to responsibility. What did the priests in the Old Testament do? Ministry. They did ministry. They were the ministers. Um, We all have a ministerial function in the kingdom of God. Now, it's okay to make distinctions, and there are some ordained to the ministry. That's a biblical distinction to make. But we can't lose with that the fact that we all are in ministry in some capacity. We are all ministers of God. So one way to think about that is uh, that we minister from God to the people and from the people to God. Um. One of the most important functions of the priests in the Old Testament was to go before God on behalf of the people. Now, in terms of our access, we know that uh, Jesus is our great high priest and we all have access only in Him, right? 
And we know that uh, the only way that anyone will ever be welcomed into God's presence, have access with God as a child as we do, the only way is through Christ, not through us. But God also calls us priests. So what does that mean? Well, we can bring people to God. Not savingly in the same way, of course, that Christ can, but think about what you're doing when you pray for somebody. You're bringing that person and their burdens before God. You're being a priest. We need to realize that we are priests in our homes. We are priests to our extended families. We are priests in our workplaces. We are priests to our neighbors. We are priests to the world. We have access with God in Christ, and we bring the people who He has put in our lives to Him in prayer. So when we gather with family over the holidays and we come across something that someone is going through or, you know, there's a big mess somewhere as there is in everyone's extended family, be a priest. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Bring your children into God's presence when they're with you, praying with them, but also when they're not, praying for them. Pray for the people in your workplace. Pray for your neighbors by name. Pray for our city. Pray for the world. Pray for the nations. Pray for the the things that God has put in your path, on your heart, because we are God's priests on the earth. We are also His prophets. Um, Not in the Old Testament prophet sense that they were being given, you know, revelation. We're not getting new revelation to give to people and that sort of thing. But uh, we are prophets in this sense. Not only do we bring people and their burdens and all the things going on in their lives uh, before God as in prayer, but we also bring God's Word to them. So in our families or in the workplace or in school community or uh, with neighbors, with world news, Not only are we being watchful so that we can bring these things to the Lord in prayer as priests, we're also praying for open doors and courage so that we can bring God's word and his will as prophets. We're priests, we're prophets, and in a very important sense, we are also kings, God's kings, his kingdom on the earth. Not the king, (coughs) Jesus is the king. But we do have a kingly function um, establishing the Lord's will on the earth. So Jesus has already been given his dominion. He rules over all. But he has not yet fully fleshed out that dominion to the ends of the earth. Partially, but not fully. And he uses us. He uses his people to bring about his will on the earth. And in that sense, we have a kingly function. So this is what is behind the meaning of the image of God. There are lots of things that that entails. I mean, one of the things we learn about being in the image of God is that we were made for relationship. God has forever existed in the eternal trinity. He has forever existed in relationship. Well, we were made in His image, made for relationship with God and with other people. So that's one aspect. I'm not saying this is everything about the image of God. But one of the important things about the image of God is this kingly function. Uh, You may not know this, but in the ancient Near East, in the times of Pharaoh and the Egyptians, uh, the Pharaoh 
or the king was thought to be the only one in the image of the gods on the earth. Only the king, only the Pharaoh was the image of the gods. And he was there to bring the will of the gods to the people, to the earth. But God speaks into that ancient Near Eastern culture where Pharaoh was the image of the gods and bringing the will of the gods to the earth. And he says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, him, male and female. He created them, saying, not just kings, not just Pharaoh, all people have been created in God's image. All people are the images of God on the earth. And in this sense, we have an, a kingly design. Everyone does. Everyone, every human being has a kingly design to bring God's will to the earth. But, of course, that image has been tarnished in the fall, right? It doesn't work as it was intended to function because of sin. Uh, it hasn't been removed. When, you sin, when you're born in sin and we live in sin, it's not that we're no longer in the image of God. It's just that it's fractured and tarnished and doesn't work as it was intended to work. Mankind doesn't uh, operate as we were designed to operate. But in Christ, God is not doing something altogether different. He is restoring us, restoring people to His original design. Restoring us to the kingly function of being in His image. So in our priestly function, we pray, Your kingdom come. In our kingly function, we labor to make His kingdom come. We learn God's will in His Word, and we are images of God on the earth put here to make not the gods, but God known, and to bring His will to the earth. We learn His will in His Word, and we work according to what we learn in order to make it so. So for Daniel, this vision from the darkness, it had to be thrilling. It was God's sovereignty over the darkness. It was God's kingdom expansion through the darkness. It was the kingdom inheritance of God's people. But how much even more thrilling for us because so much of this has come to fruition. And um, things that Daniel could have never dreamed of, we are living the reality of. It's important for us to understand that we have already received the kingdom and the dominion that was talked about in Daniel chapter 7. We are God's prophets, God's priests, God's kings on the earth. Here to speak His word to the world. Here to take the world before the throne of God in prayer. Here to bring about God's will on the earth. Now, with all that in mind, our priestly function, our prophetic function, our kingly function, uh, we still have to remember that we are awaiting the fulfillment, right? Already, but not yet. We, we, are, we have already come into our dominion, our kingdom, but we're not yet, we have not yet received the full inheritance of what has been promised to us. The Lord's kingdom ex expansion is still in process, and the fullness of our inheritance as members of the kingdom of God is being kept for us in heaven. So we labor as prophets, as priests, as kings, with a longing, a realization that um, all that we labor for will not be full and final until the end. 
But having received the kingdom, already having received it, we are grateful. I mean, this tension is very helpful, like in normal tasks, like parenting or your workplace. Or, you know, we want to see the final fulfillment now, don't we? But we got to remember we're in the in-between. We need to emphasize the very important responsibilities that we've been given now. We've already come into our dominion, our kingdom. We already serve as God's kings, as priests, as prophets. This is an amazing... One of the things I I told you, I think I am going to speak about this in India. And, you know, they're in a context where it's the prosperity gospel is rampant. The prosperity gospel is so cheap compared to this. I mean, it's promising fleeting earthly blessings. Like, this is rich, deep, eternal blessings of identity in Christ and, and blessing with God of being a part of His kingdom that will never fade. That doesn't hold a candle to this. But in all of that, we must remember that the final fulfillment is is yet to come. Uh, Yet that said, having received the kingdom, we are grateful. We worship God with reverence and awe, and we worship Him all the way home. And we serve Him with the rest of our lives, here and in glory. So let's pray. Our Father, these are um, very high thoughts, wonderful, worshipful thoughts from your word uh, about who you are and about who you have made us to be in Christ. Lord, might it feed our souls and and secure our identities further in who you've made us to be, uh, that we are right now seated with the King of Kings in glory, that we are... um, We have already inherited the kingdom and the dominion. And that in a very important sense, we already rule with Christ. But God, help us to understand, too, that um, we await the final fulfillment. We await um, the fullness of our inheritance, which is being kept for us in heaven. Lord, I pray that you would take these truths and apply them in our hearts and uh, that you would apply them in our lives. Help us to understand our uh, prophetic function, our priestly function, our kingly function. Would you uh, do something with these truths that we could not do in ourselves? Um, Do a mighty work, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We do have a few minutes for thoughts or questions, if anybody would like to come with that. One thought that I had, uh, some of you may hear us talk about third millennium ministries or blaze and, you know, you wonder what is, um, what is all that about? Seminary stuff. Who wants seminary stuff, you know? Well, the, if you were to come to me and I were to send you to Will and, uh, you know, you, want, you said, I, I might be interested in learning a little bit about that. The first class that we're going to put you on is called Kingdom, Covenants, and Canon. And one of the things that you're going to learn in the first couple lectures is about our kingly function on the earth, the design of God and the way that He has made us um, to be His kings, to bring about His will, the way that sin tarnished that and fractured that and broke that, but the way He's restoring us to that in Christ (laughs) and the significance of that uh, for our lives. So don't think that that's just some, you know, 
ivory tower. Uh, those are deep, profound, glorious truths that are readily applicable to our lives in, in the nitty-gritty, mundane moments that we've been called to. So just so you know, that, that would be the first little bit that you would study. And uh, to even I'll go without Ben's permission, but uh, just to say that so moved him um, is really a huge part of what led he and Tricia to adopt their daughter. And, and just to embrace, uh, you know, if I'm here to bring about God's will on the earth, and, and I know that he is for the orphan and the widow and the afflicted, and well, I'm going to go and get her. <laughs> you know, and uh, just so there you see, I mean, these truths in practice, I just... Um, that's a precious thing. And uh, these are rich, wonderful. So, you know, understanding just the fact that we are priests and that we take those people in our lives before God and we have access with Him. I mean, He loves our prayers. He cherishes them. And when we're bringing those burdens on our heart, do not think that those things are just being whisked away. God is cherishing your prayers, the burdens of your heart, because you're His priest. <laughs> and that is uh, that's profound. You're his prophet. His word will not return void. He has sent you to say a thing according to the truth, according to his will. And, and when you say it and it seems like nothing happened, God works through his word. Don't think that nothing is happening. Um, important stuff. All right, well, I didn't give you as much time to talk, but pretty fired up about it. I'll send an email this week about the Christmas party, and uh, we'll go from there.